T, we're, we're picking up this discussion because the Titans have a chance for some pretty, some pretty nice offensive milestones. Derrick Henry trying to get to 2,000. He's 468 yards away with three games to play. Ryan Tannehill is 791 away from 4,000 passing yards, which is not a big deal for some franchises and offenses, but here it's a big deal because they don't throw it around as much. Then you have two receivers trying to hit the 1,000-yard mark. Both are a little less than 170 yards away. It's an exciting time, but which one do you think is most likely to happen? Well, I think that we're most likely to get a pair of thousand yard receivers, which is impressive for a franchise that, you know, let's face it, we can only as we think back to it. So uh, that that's the easiest one. Uh, you know, if, if, if Derrick Henry gets close to 2000 and Mike Vrabel was asked about that and he says he understands that that's something that teammates, you know, this isn't just a, a Henry thing. This would be a team thing. And if you don't think of offensive lines want that, uh, I, I, you know, there's a picture out there when Chris Johnson topped that mark in, in Seattle in the in regular season finale of 09 with, with him and his offensive lineman, because that was a, you know, that was a group effort, you know, and, and if you listen to Derrick Henry shoot yesterday, he said, he said during the game, he told his teammates how much he appreciates everybody from the, the linemen, the tight ends, the receivers, you name it. So uh, let's just see uh, if, you know, he's got to average 156 yards over these final three games. So let's just see where he's at going into Houston because, you know, it's D Henber, you know, it's, Derek, <laughs> it's Derek's month. So if, if anyone could maybe put that together, I, I won't count against him. And, you know, if they're, if they're going into Houston January 3rd and he's within, a, within 200 yards of it, I'm not going to say it's not, cha- not possible. Very true. I'm with Teresa Walker from the Associated Press. She's a Hall of Famer. She's the journalist graduate of the year from the University of Tennessee. She continues to stockpile yeah, accolades. That's right there. That one right there. <laughs> there oh, we yeah. go. It, it looks lovely there. I yes, wish everybody could see her uh, Wall of Fame there. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Teresa, I guess, explain to us uh, with uh, the ownership now, I guess, meeting the NFL requirements, kind of go through all that with Susie. Uh, the sister, I guess, selling her shares. Uh, so kind of take us through the timeline there. Absolutely, Blaine. Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, it was in August of 2016 that it came out that, uh, you know, Susie is married to Tommy Smith. And when Amy Adams Strunk took over in March of 2015, uh, Tommy's the one who kind of got pushed aside, retired, and stepped away from the team. And it came out in August 2016 that, you know, she was looking to share her sell her shares. When Bud Adams died, he kind of set up a trust and it was, you know, in thirds, a third to each of his daughters and then the other third to, you know, the family of his late son. And so and it was that branch of the family that teamed with Amy to help her kind of take control in March of 2015. Uh, probably the that one of the best moves made by this franchise in the last 20 years. But. So those those were on the market. Uh, a group uh, Sportico reported yesterday that there was somebody trying to you know buy in and get that, but now it's going to be split fifty percent for Amy Adams Strunk, and then the other fifty percent is held by uh, you know Kenneth Adams Barkley, uh, you know Susan, uh, not Susie Smith, but the uh, another Susan. So uh, this should make the NFL happy. Let's not forget that the NFL fined the Titans over their ownership issues, you know, because they didn't like the way it was spread out. They wanted somebody to have 
you know, firm control. Well, you know, with, with Amy's track record now of, you know, five, nearly six years of ownership and, and what they've done in that time, now five straight winning seasons, uh, plus having 50%, she is the majority owner. Uh, you know, because the other 50% is split among the, uh, that other branch of the family. So she, she's, she's large and in charge right now. And, you know, if, if anyone at the NFL level owners, whatever, needed some kind of consolation that, you know, this is all set, this is all in control, this does it. This is being finalized by the end of the year. And more importantly, it keeps everything in the family like, you know, Bud Adams wanted, uh, you know, when he passed. Uh, did, uh, you know, coach of Rabel go over, I guess, his fourth and two call, which I thought was interesting in itself. Uh, but uh, did he explain what his rationale was behind it? Uh, because he was kind of acting like Riverboat Rabel uh, to me on that play call. Yeah, I remember him. Absolutely. Well, he's now got the you know, WFT Washington football team uh, <laughs> headed toward the playoffs. So yeah. uh, Vrabel said today, he was asked about that. He, the, the part of the problem was they were trying to go quick uh-huh. and try and catching the Jaguars, you know, uh, not set. Unfortunately, the official was standing there over the ball and kind of kind of delayed it and took away that bit of element of surprise uh, as they were. Yeah, there was an official there standing over the ball and, you know, made sure the Jags, everybody sat and then boom, that kind of took away some of the element. You know, if you've got the right play call, I don't have a problem going with it fourth and two. I mean, you're trying to get points, but, you know, after that turnover, if the Jags had scored, then suddenly you're in a tie game when you could have been up 10-7. That's where it could have come back to bite you. I will say this, their game management at the end of the first half lane to go and get that field goal, that was excellent. I mean, TV TV was saying, oh, they're just, yeah, this is the end. They're going to head to the locker room, essentially. And they're like, nope, nope, nope. We're going to throw a pass. Boom, boom, boom field goal and uh that was a smart move because then they had the ball coming out in this in the third quarter and that allowed them to just kind of seize control of the game at that point mm-hmm. well with uh Teresa walker uh tsaa hall of famer I-, I guess last one for me real quick t is uh what about the play that Vrabel bring up uh, about butler as well as ty smith too though who uh you know had been on the injured or COVID list and then came out there and played uh fairly well considering he challenged a lot of plays uh, absolutely. Now, Variable did talk about this yesterday on Butler, you know, about how, you know, let's face it, they kind of picked on him a little bit yesterday and he just kind of shut Shark down. Uh, you know, Butler's a pro. He's, he, you know, there's days where he's a little bit up. And, and Butler even said, you know, when he first signed and came in, you know, he really struggled over those first eight, first eight games. And he said focus for him was a big key. And what Variable said was that, you, you know, he could see that Butler being the pro that he is, was focused in, had his eyes where they needed to be. And you saw it, particularly on that interception. I mean, he went up and kind of high-pointed that ball to take that away. Well, with Teresa Walker, AP writer and Hall of Famer. It's interesting, Teresa, because people look at Butler's contract and what he's making. He's got two years left. And, and, and some of, you know, you get all that noise on social media. There's no way they bring him back at his number. How could you afford not to bring Malcolm Butler back at this point? How could you afford not to have him on the team next year? Well, I remember remember just a few months ago, people were like, "How can you let Logan Ryan go?" Uh, as Blaine can attest, that's the cruel, that's the that's the cold business side of the NFL. You know, the Titans are going to have to decide. They got they're only going to have so much money next year. And Jonu Smith and uh, Corey Davis, do you keep those guys? 
uh, you know, Jayon Brown's probably a guy who's going to be hitting the market, but you know, you, you know, you've only got so much money to go around and, you know, if it's between trying to keep a guy who just maybe had a thousand yard season in Corey Davis and you got to go look under the couch cushion, maybe you redo a Butler <laughs> deal or, yeah. you know, so yeah, uh, let's just put it this way. We'll, we'll know a whole lot more come March. Well, this is a lady talking to us who bought a car with uh, coins, right? That you, I mean, so you, you know what it's like to look through the, the cushions. Absolutely. What Mickey means is we saved all the spare change in our house for 16 years. That was the money that we used to buy my son's first car. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> I could do that too. Teresa right? Walker. If, if you got a young kid, start saving your change now. Trust me, it'll add up. I love it. I love it. Um, is Derrick Henry literally every week it seems like somebody tweets out that he's done something that you know Jim Brown did or he continues this assault on the record books and meanwhile when it comes to sacks the Titans continue to assault the record books in the other way another zero in the sack department yesterday they've got 14 on the season uh, there are six people in the league who have double digits on their own and Jamal Adams has eight and a half he's a safety so what in the world it, it, I mean it is what it is I guess right T at this point it is the, the most important number is nine the number of wins that they've got uh i mean absolutely i mean it, you know we've been talking about, about this team getting some pass rush and, and getting some sacks for how long now it's it, and it, they just keep going the other way and it, at this point it's like you know can you make it through the season without getting another one uh you know i, I don't know they you know Derek roberson was really close yesterday Vrabel said they could have should have and that they've got to finish those but you know that's the thing we're still waiting for them to finish maybe they're going to save them all up for if they you know in the playoffs i i don't know at this point it, it's it's almost astounding but as long as they keep getting turnovers and interceptions those that's the number that can almost outweigh your sacks mm. well to add to that teresa though are they going to have to are they going to be able to have success in the playoffs, though, with not getting a lot of pressure unless it's manufactured through scheme and system? Uh, is that going to be the kryptonite for them when they get into the playoffs? Because I'm really interested because last year was a little different deal. They had the offense rolling, but defensively they were putting in putting up pressure uh, at least enough to uh, uh, affect the quarterback. Well, the the only way they've been getting pressure is essentially with, you know, scheming it up and blitzing and, and getting guys in there. So, you know, maybe the, you know, whenever, if ever, Adoree Jackson gets on the, gets back on that secondary, maybe that locks some things into gear and allows them to get more of that pressure, maybe gets them that half second so that some of these uh, linebackers can finish. Uh, but at this point, we're going to have to just wait and see, could it be the kryptonite? Absolutely. Uh, but at this point, I, and Blaine, I know this is going to feel weird because you remember all those field goal games, but uh, <laughs> you know, this is a team that wins with offense right now. They I just know. Need, yeah. yeah. They, it's so they fun just, to watch. It is fun, but they need they need that offense to just keep clicking, drive in, drive out, game in, game out, so that they you know and make just one or two plays here and there to help them out. Mm. Well, I have to ask you since you covered the team forever uh, since it's been here, <laughs> I think AJ Brown's catch was pretty impressive, going full speed with the one hand deal. I want you to think of another play, a catch. That was better. Only one I could think of was the Nate Washington over the head, but I'm sure there were other ones. But tell me that was another catch that was better than that A.J. Brown. 
That one is got to be right near the top. But I mean, because yeah, the, the other one I thought of was the Nate catch because I mean, over the, you know, yeah, was up in the air, over the back, <laughs> off of the back of it. It was a Lions player too. So they played the Detroit oh, Lions. Oh, that's week. right. Yeah. So, but you know, that's the thing there there's, I've, I can remember a lot of would have been great catches particularly Drew Bennett at New England in a divisional playoff game. But, uh, but no, right now, eight, you know, recency bias. I'm going to go with AJ Brown. Mm. Well, I guess lastly, oh, I guess I, I'll let you go, Mickey. You go ahead. We're on with no, the, you, the you got one, Teresa Walker. Yeah, go ahead. You got one, you got one more hitter, man. Cause we're, uh, we're up against it. That's why I said that. Okay. Well, we got it. We got a road in. <laughs> Teresa, you get us lost in the history lesson. I know, the man. I got me all excited. I'm sorry guys, but thank you so much.